0: another round of applause. (laughs) Huh? Okay, so I just had a flashback, so I have to say it before I start. Um, As a junior in high school, I was coerced. That's a good word, right? I was coerced into joining the school play, and uh, as a junior in high school, I got cast in the role of Bye Bye Birdie, and I wore those pants that he had on stage, okay? So no shocker. So when you see someone post that on Facebook and say, that's my pastor, okay, don't freak out about it because I'm telling you up front, all right? So anyway, just thought y'all would wanna know that. Um, I was having flashback moments. I'm like, where did they find my outfit? <laughs> Glad you guys are here today. This is week two of our, uh, our Adventist season here at Southcrest. I wanna give you a little history of Adventist just so you know why we do this. You know, a lot of churches during the Christmas season, um, they have a program. They like spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and put a lot of song. In, and that's great. I mean, I'm excited that churches do that. I think we ought to celebrate the season. Uh, about four or five years ago, we made a decision very strategic for our church. We want every Sunday of the Advent season to be special. And we want to create a church where every Sunday during the season, you can invite your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, And they can come and and be a part of something special here on Sunday morning. And so I remember sitting in a room four years ago, and we were praying about what we wanted uh, Advent to look like in our church. And we studied the ancient word for the word Advent, and the actual word is Adventus. And it was the aha moment. We were all sitting in the room with the creative arts team and, and everything. And, and I think it's because it sounded like it came from the movie Gladiator, right? You put four guys in a room and Adventus, it sounds like somebody's about to fight. And four guys are like, yeah, let's do that. Okay, that sounds like a manly Christmas. So that's a little bit of the history lesson. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Now, if you're like me. I partook in something that every year I say I will never partake in again, and that's called Black Friday shopping. So if last week you went Black Friday shopping, raise your hand, all right? Go ahead, man. Raise your hand. You got drug out there. You got a drug problem, okay? Your wife drug you outside. How many of you shopped from the luxury of your home and your computer? Raise your hand. All right. Wow, that's good. That's good. Some of you are like, that's awesome. That's great. Now, here's what I find funny about Black Friday, okay? Uh, We sit down on Thanksgiving, and we have this incredible meal together, and we talk about how much we love each other and our family, and then we we eat food. We stuff ourselves. We get in the car. We go down to the local Walmart, and we duke it out with someone over a $100 television. Okay, nothing says the season better than that for me, and I look at this season, and I see people many times, and I'm like, wow, um, why is the season so stressful for you? And you know, really, it comes down to, uh, to really three Ps for me when you think about it. The reason that the season seems to be so stressed for people is, number one, purchases, right? You got to go find the gift for the person that you've been trying to buy for for 20 years, and the truth is it doesn't matter what you buy them, you know they're going to take it back. You know they're going to exchange it. You know you don't even know the right color, the right size, the right model, the right anything, and you're like, man, life is so stressful because it seems to be about purchases. And the second one is programs, all right? How many parents or children do we have here, all right? There is an attempt on your life over the next 24 days, and here's the attempt. We're going to get your children involved in more programs where you have to take time off work and you gotta go show up for a cantata or a a play or something else. And as great as those things are, you feel like you're on a 24-day world tour. You look at your calendar and your head explodes, right? It's like, honey, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna make this happen? That's the second P, programs. The third one's problems. We look at our family and we're like, oh man, we just saw them over Thanksgiving. Is, Is there any way? that we could go to, like, Tahiti for Christmas. Like, could, what if they showed up and we just weren't here? Maybe they thought we got took in the rapture, you know? But problems, problems about our past, problems about our family. And, and during this season, the, the height of stress seems to be really real. In fact, you know, I heard someone say what everyone really wants over this season is they want hope. And, you know, I think that's true. I think people want hope. But what I want to talk to you about today is, I think, something that people want that they don't even know that they need. But it's the one thing that seems to make the difference in our life, whether it's Christmas or whether it's the new year or whether it's the fall or whether it's the summertime. And it's one word. It's called favor. You see, here's what I believe about life. I believe in life we all want favor. We all want favor in our lives. We all want to be able to say, it just seems like things seem to be going well for me. My life seems to be heading somewhere. My life is going to make a difference. Like I seem to have this idea that no matter what I do, there seems to be this, this sense of favor about my life. But here's why we struggle with favor many times. Because we often struggle with favor because we think it's the same thing as fate or luck. You see, fate says this. The reason things happen in my life the way they do is that's just the way it was meant to be. Kind of like Forrest Gump, right? Mama's always says, okay? The truth is, fate is not favor. And luck is not favor. Luck would say this. I do certain actions in my life, and as a result, things seem to work out for my advantage. Favor is not that at all. We all want favor in our lives, But we don't always understand how to have favor in our lives. You know, I not only thought about that, we often confuse the favor of God uh, with fate and luck in our lives. And when we do that, what happens is we begin to look at our circumstances and we take our eyes off of who God is. But the third one we struggle with is this. We often confuse the favor of God with our own flavor of God. Now, let me explain this. In life, we have this certain way that we think God should work in our life, and we call it putting God in a box. Right? Like some of you in this room, you are control freaks. If you're a control freak, raise your hand. All right. <laughs> you should have seen the response. I am not. I'm not. Put my hand down. Okay. Some of you just looked at your spouse and says, "I am not a control freak." Okay. Get those kids ready. Okay. The truth is. All of us in life, whether we live for it or not, we have a sense of we want to control the outcomes. Well, when it comes to the flavor of God, we look at God and we say, God, I want you to be this way. And the truth is sometimes God says, no, I want you to have my favor, not just your own flavor of me. So what do we do? We put God in a box or we attempt to put God on a leash. And we say, God, this must be how you work all the time. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do my part, God. God. And you're gonna do your part. So we struggle because we confuse the favor of God with our own favor. And it's tough, it's a challenge. I thought about it this way this week. In my life, there have been many times that I have often fought God on the very thing that He's trying to use to bring His favor into my life. You ever been there? God's doing something in your life. Maybe you don't realize it, maybe you don't understand it. You know that circumstances are happening. And you know that you would have never chosen those circumstances. But there seems to be this weaving of a thread that God is allowing this and God is doing this. Why? Because he wants to show you his favor and he wants you to look past your own flavor of him. I've been there in my life many, many times. Today, we're going to look at a story in the book of Luke, chapter 1. And I want to tell you that the, the first part of the story is basically goes like this. There was a priest by the name of Zechariah. He was the type of priest that certain seasons of the year, he would have to go away to the temple and do his priestly duties. Well, his priestly duty was to go in and light the incense in the temple, so that when it was time to do the, the, the things that were to be done in the temple, uh, that was one of his jobs. And so he goes to the temple at the time that he's supposed to be working, and he shows up to work that day, and all of a sudden, an angel appears to him, all right? Now, some of you think you have a very difficult Monday ahead of you. Imagine showing up at work tomorrow, you walk into your cubicle, and there's an angel there, okay? Some of you go, yeah, cool, all right? Like, Yusuf, I'm going to get an angel selfie. But the truth is, in these days, when an angel appeared, it was typically because of judgment. And remember, we're at a period where we're awaiting the birth of a Savior, the birth of the coming, prophesied, promised Messiah, and an angel appears to Zechariah. And so the Bible tells us in verse 12, he was gripped with fear. He was gripped with fear. And the angel begins to tell him, he says, hey, listen, you and your wife, Elizabeth, are going to have a baby. I love how he responded. He looked back at the angel and he said, "Uh, listen, angel, I'm old and she's old. Now, obviously, he's a typical male. He would have never said that in front of his wife. All right. Angel, she's old. But he looks at the angel and he says, hey, how can I be sure of this? I am old and my wife is old. And the angel said, hey, listen, I am in God's presence. I have heard from the Lord. This is going to happen. And I've been sent to tell you this good news. And so what did Zechariah do? He did what a lot of us do. When the favor of God was put upon him to tell him this amazing thing was going to happen, he chose to not believe. And the Bible says because of his unbelief, he remained silent until the time that the baby was born. Let's fast forward to the story a little bit. Because we know that Elizabeth became pregnant because the angel told Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby and your son is going to go call people back to God and his name is going to be John. But not only that, I'm going to do something above and beyond that. Look at verse 26 in the scripture. The Bible says this, It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what type of greeting this might be. I would have freaked out. Like, I would have not handled that moment very well, okay? Mary was was kind of freaked out a little bit too. She said, what type of greeting might this be? And in verse 30, it says this. It says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, asked Mary to the angel, since I am a virgin? You see, some of us, when God wants to bring his favor into our lives, we argue with God about how he's going to do it. She asked a very honest question. She said, how can this happen? The possibilities of this God are very slim. Look what happens here. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. If you have a pen, you might want to underline that one in your Bible. That's a keeper right there. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What does it mean to have the favor of God on our lives? You know, there's a couple words in Scripture for the word favor. In Elizabeth's case, when she said, God, you have found favor with me, I'm old and I'm still going to have a baby, it means that God fixed his gaze upon her life. God concerned himself with her. God noticed her. Now, here's the truth. We all want to be noticed in life. Here's how I know this. Because social media, right? We go to social media, and we post something, and there's this little button that used to not be there on social media, but in the last five or six years, 10 years, they put it on there. It's called the like button. Now, before the like button, some of you guys remember old school Facebook when all they had was poke hey, I'm going to poke my friend. You know, that was kind of awkward. People say, you just got poked by so-and-so. I'm like, no, I didn't. You know, whatever. And the truth is, we go to social media, and we post something on social media, and we judge how favored we think we are by what? How many likes we get. Some of you go, I don't care. I ain't even on the Facebook, okay? (laughs) The truth is, we do it all the time. We want people to notice us. So Elizabeth had this sense that God had fixed his gaze upon her, that he had found her, that he had placed his favor on her. Well, there's a different word here used for Mary because when the angel came to Mary and she looked at him, it's the word charis. And it's the word transliterated grace. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, Do we see this same word where it says Mary was highly favored or Mary found the favor of God? It's interchanged with the fact that God put his grace upon her, his unmerited favor, his unmerited gaze. Now, here's the truth about most of our lives. When it comes to the favor of God, many times we want to fly off the radar. We want to do things and hope that what? God doesn't see them. God, I know you didn't see me cheating on my taxes, because you don't care about the IRS. (laughs) God, I know you didn't see me treat my my kids the way that I treat my kids, because, you know, they're bad anyway, right? I mean, come on, God. The truth is, we want the favor of God. We want the favor of God, and many times we don't even know how it comes into our lives. So over 100 times in the New Testament, this word charis means that God looked at Mary and he poured out his grace on her. What does that also mean? That whatever flavor of God's favor that he brings into our life, he gives us the grace to receive it. We struggle sometimes with the favor of God. We all want it. We sometimes get confused by it, but we all want it. So I want to ask you this question today. What happens when we start seeing God's favor from a different perspective? God begins to change the outcome of our lives. I want to give you three things today in this talk. First one is this. God gives extraordinary favor to ordinary people. You know, most of my life, I was raised to believe that Mary must have been this super extraordinary person. Like, she must have been the person that, when people looked at her, you know, that God predestined her to be great and be a saint and all these things. Listen, Mary was ordinary as the day is long. But yet, God chose her and favorited her. Now, I don't know one person in this room when you ask the question, How many of you wish God would show you favor? Not one person would say, No, I'm really not interested in that. We all want favor in our lives. But here's what I know God gives extraordinary favor to ordinary people. And let me tell you why that's so encouraging to me because I'm so ordinary. And you are so ordinary. And many times in life, we look at Mary, and we look at others in the Bible, and we say, man, God, God doesn't have the same plan for me. I mean, in verse 28, he, he says these, these phrases to her. He says, the angel said to her, greetings, you are highly favored. I mean, it's one thing to be favored, but like, that must be an extra slice of God's favor, right? Like, you are highly favored. The truth is, Mary was as ordinary as you and I, but God's plan for her was extraordinary. And can I tell you the same is true for you? God has an extraordinary plan for your life. Listen to what Jeremiah says Jeremiah 29 11. He says, For I know the plans I have for you. God already knows the plans, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Now we struggle with that because we've heard so many people talk about prospering, we think it's a name it, claim it gospel. The truth is that's not what this verse means. It means God wants to show his favor on your life. He says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God puts extraordinary favor on ordinary people. God's plan for your life is to look at you and say, you may see this right now and not understand it, but the truth is I'm bringing this into your life so that I can do extraordinary things. It's kind of like this. We read in the scripture that Mary just happened to be engaged to a guy named Joseph who just happened, don't you love when people put quotation marks, just happened to be a descendant of David. Right. Right. You see, here's what we think. We think God does things randomly, and the truth is he doesn't. God doesn't do anything random. God's plans are never ordinary, and his purposes are never random. He's working out his plan for our lives, and God wants to put extraordinary favor on ordinary people like you and me. And that encourages me because I feel very ordinary. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, However, as it is written, no eye has seen what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What does that mean? It means that you and I sometimes miss the favor of God that God wants to bring in our lives because we can't figure God out. And we go, why would God want to do all that in somebody as ordinary as me? The truth is, it's not about you. God used Mary because he chose to put his fixed gaze upon her life. Here's what's true. If God left me to my plans, they would be small, calculative, and safe, right? Just like you. You would try to say, God, if I can't figure you out and put you in this box, then I'm going to create another box and put you in. And God says, no, 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 I don't work that way. I don't work that way. But when God chooses to put his gaze and his glance on someone's life, it has nothing to do with how extraordinary they are. It has to do with how awesome and how favored God wants to bring favor in our lives. Number two, God's favor brings exponential results. God's favor brings exponential results. Now here's what's crazy. We all want favor, but many times we don't understand that when God chooses to put a favor, his favor on our lives, things begin to change. I've heard it all my life. I believe it's true. God can do more in a moment than I could ever do in a lifetime. I was studying the scriptures the other day. I found just five little nuggets about what God's favor can do in our lives. If you have a pen, write these down. You can go home and read them. God's favor brings honor in our lives, according to Psalms 84 When God's favor is on our life, God has a way of lifting us up And putting us in places of honor. God's favor can establish the work of our hands according to Psalms 90 verse 17. It means that what we do may seem ordinary but God does extraordinary things with it. Why? Because his favor is on our lives. God's favor helps us endure difficult situations and difficult seasons in our life. Just like he did in Genesis 39 with a man named Joseph. He said, everything you guys meant for me was bad, but God had a plan and a purpose, and I have seen the favor of God in it. What did he do? He ended up saving a nation. So God is able to help us endure difficult times. God's favor protects the righteous like a shield, according to Psalms 51, 12. He's able to protect us. God's favor can even turn our enemies into our allies, according to the book of Ezra. Sometimes you look at people and say, why does this person find favor with me? It's not about you. God has put his favor on you. And he's saying, I'm going to allow you to influence the people that you never thought you could influence. Why? Because God's favor brings exponential results. So Mary, Luke chapter one, she's dealing with this whole deal saying, God, how can this be? How can it be that you're going to make this happen? I'm I'm a virgin. Nobody's going to understand. God, no one's going to get it. No one's going to think this is funny. And in verse 37, a very powerful word, because this is the word we need to understand, for no word from God will ever fail. God told her it was going to happen. Let me tell you why God's favor brings exponential results in our life. Because when God gives us a word, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of When? When does God choose to bring it to pass in our lives? Listen, some of us, one of the reasons we struggle with favor is because we're more caught up in the favor of man instead of desiring the favor of God. But if God tells us something about our life, no word from the Lord will ever fail. If God says it, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when God chooses to bring it about in our life. You can trust him. You don't have to depend on yourself. Many times what we do is this. We say, well, God, if you will do this, then I will do this. Y'all ever played that bargain game with God before? (laughs) God, I will do this when you do this. Listen, God doesn't work that way. God says, I want you to trust me because I can do exponential things in your life. I want you to step out in faith And trust me, you know, some of us, we struggle with that in the area of serving Jesus. We know that all over our church, whether it's in guest services, our kids' areas, our creative arts team, listen, we need approximately about 200 new volunteers right now in our church. Let me tell you why. Because we sent 150 great volunteers down to the city of LaGrange to launch a campus. We still need new people to step up. Some of us go like, well, God could never use me. Listen, when you trust God's favor, he will do exponential things if you're willing to step out and trust him. Some of us, it's like this in the area of giving. We're like, well, I will give to God when I make more money. No, you won't. You'll still struggle with how much you should give to God. (laughs) The truth is, when you give to God now, He's conditioning your faith so that you can do more exponential things. Why? Because God's going to put His favor on you. There's never been a season in my life when Tracy and I decided that we were going to give to Jesus that we looked back and said, God didn't come through. We've never had that. Why? Because God's word is true. It's true. But what do we do? We say, God, if, if you do this, then I'll do this. If you move here, then I'll move here. That's not the favor of God. God's favor brings exponential results. It's kind of like this joke. I had a friend this week tell me this joke. I think it's so funny. He said, hey, hey, Sean, did you hear about the guy who prayed for two solid years to win the lottery? Like for two years, he went to God and said, God, please help me win the lottery. Lord, please, I want to win the lottery, please. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And after the second year, the Lord finally spoke up and looked at him and said, hey, bro, do you think you can meet me in the middle and at least buy a ticket? I mean, we want the favor of God. And even though we're ordinary, even though God chooses to use us, When the favor of God is upon us, exponential things can happen in our life. And I wanna say it again, don't get caught up in struggling with your own flavor of who you want God to be. Pray every day, Lord, I want your favor on my life. If God says it, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Let me ask you this, how differently would you live your life this week if you absolutely knew the favor of God was on you? I mean, think of Mary. An angel appears to her and says, you are highly favored. What does she do? Does she walk out of there and go, I got a lot of explaining to do. No, the Bible says that's not what she did. Because the truth is that we will live our lives differently if we know the favor of God's upon us. And God's favor will do exponential things. We can trust him for that. But the key is this. Responding to God's favor leads to greater favor in our lives. Responding. Let me ask you this question What was Mary's response? You see, many times we look at the angel and we look at the story and we look at all this stuff and we go, wow, like that really happened. But what really happened was her response. Verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant. You hear that phrase? I'm the Lord's servant. Listen, you're the Lord's servant. If you're a Christian here today, if you're a Christ follower, you're called to walk with God in his favor. You say, well, I don't feel worthy of his favor. Neither do I. But through the cross of Jesus Christ, I am. And it doesn't even make sense to me. But the truth is, God wants to pour out his favor. And he may be waiting for you and I to respond. So what does Mary say? She says, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. You see, the key is the response. Responding to God leads to greater favor in our lives. The favor of God is often tied to obedience. Whether we like that or not, how do you know that? In Scripture, was a story of two guys. Their names are Cain and Abel. And in the story, it says that Abel and Cain both gave a sacrifice to God, but only one of them God favorited. And it was Abel's. You know why he favored Abel's over Cain's? Because Abel gave him his first and he gave him his best. Didn't say how much. Didn't say how awesome it was. It just says that he gave him his first and he gave him his best. Why? Because when he responded to God, God showed favor on his life. But here's what we do many times. When God speaks to us and tells us, this is what I want you to do, instead of respond, we resist. Let me ask you a question. How differently would this story have been If Mary would have said, no. God, I don't want that slice of your favor. Listen to this statement. We never know what's hanging in the balance of our response to God. We never know what's hanging in the balance of our response to God. You know, Jesus At one point in his ministry, he walked out. It's actually found in Luke chapter 5. and He walked out and he saw Peter trying to fish, a professional fisherman, very good at his job. Peter's out there fishing and he can't catch anything. Jesus walks out and says, Peter, I want you to take your boat and go out a little bit deeper and I want you to drop your net. I'm sure Peter was perplexed. If you read the response in Luke chapter 5, Peter looked back at Jesus and said, Jesus, because you say so, I will let down my net. You see, the favor of God that some of us want in our lives, it may be waiting for us to respond to God. And when we respond to him, we position ourselves for greater favor in our life. Mary's decision was not how she was going to tell her friend she's pregnant. That wasn't the greatest struggle she was going to have. The greatest struggle was, was she going to believe God at his word? You never know what's hanging in the balance of your response to God. Listen to this. I think this is so, so challenging. Mary experienced the favor of God because she believed the word of God and could be used by the spirit to accomplish the will of God. You see, we get it backwards. We want to do God's will, but we want to do it our way, and what do we want? We want God to bless it. Hey, God, bless my stuff here. (laughs) It's kind of like the guy who wins the award on the the music television show, and he gets up there and says, I'd like to thank God for giving me these lyrics that cause kids to go out and riot. What's that all about? (laughs) The truth is, the reason that God found favor with Mary is, listen, She believed the word of God and could be used by the spirit to accomplish the will of God. You never know what's hanging in the balance of your response to God. One of my favorite stories in scripture was when Jesus walked out and found his disciples in the boat. They're in the middle of the the sea there. The winds are swirling. The waves are crashing against the boat and they're like, God please we're gonna die here save us do something and jesus shows up and jesus speaks to the wind and the waves and everything goes still you see some people will look at those guys and say well if god really loved you he would have never let you get in the boat if god would have loved you he would have taken all the winds and the waves away No, listen, God loved you enough that in the midst of the wind and the waves, he comes and he speaks and the wind and the waves still know his name. God longs to put his favor on ordinary people to do exponential things when they choose to respond to him. So here's what Mary said. She said, Lord, let it happen according to your will. Here's what Mary said. She said, Lord, whatever flavor of your favor you want to give me, I'm okay with. Because it is well. I can trust you. Even when I don't understand it, I can trust you. Listen, some of you in this room today, you're going through crazy times in your life. You've gone through cancer this year. You've gone through a breakup of a relationship this year. You've gone through a job loss, a job change. You've lost your mom, your dad, someone that you love. You've, you've gone through all this and you somehow wonder, God, is your favor really here? Because, because I seem to be, I seem to be doing more suffering than I do soaring in my life. And the truth is, God's allowing things to happen in your life so that you'll choose to respond to him and say as well. I want us to stand to our feet as we close today. God will bring things into our life we don't even understand to position us so that we can receive greater favor from him. Why? Because you never know what's hanging in the balance of your response to God. I want us to worship in this song and then we're gonna close the service. But it basically just is a song of surrender. God, I surrender to you. Whatever flavor of your favor, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I know that it's you, Lord, it's well. It's well. Would you sing this song with us today? Would you bow your heads with me today? Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. There's some of you came here today and you don't realize the season of favor that you're in say, well, Sean, my life seems to be out of control. I don't seem to have purpose. I, I believe in God but I don't really have this relationship with Him. Let me tell you, you're in luck today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 that today is the day of the Lord's favor. Today is the day of salvation. You see, you're in a season of favor because God brought you to a place in an opportunity and a time to give your life to Christ and let Jesus change your life. You may be here because someone coerced you to be here or someone tricked you to be here. But listen, you're not. God brought you here. And he wants you to know that he loves you and he wants to put his favor on your life. And the greatest part of God's favor that we will ever have in our life is salvation. Because we can't do anything to earn it. But we have to choose to receive it. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, I want to ask you this question. Have you truly given your life to Jesus? I mean, can you say that there's been a time and a place and a moment that you have responded to him and that you've trusted him completely as Lord and as Savior in your life? If you've never done that, then I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. With our heads bowed, would you pray with me? Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me to this place. Thank you for dying for me on the cross so that I could experience the favor of your salvation. Jesus, I place all my faith and all my trust in you. I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sin, to become my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus, I trust you. I place all my faith and all my trust in you. Would you come into my life today, Jesus, and would you save me? thank you today Jesus for the favor of your salvation with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today I wonder how many here today in this room just like at our last service just like this morning at our LaGrange campus how many of you today for the very first time prayed that prayer with me and for today you know 100% sure that today you placed your faith and your trust in Jesus if you did that would you hold your hand up I feel very called, amen, that's awesome. Anybody else? I feel very called to ask you that today. I don't know why. I just, there may be somebody in this room you're struggling with that decision. And I wanna tell you that decision to cross the line of faith will define the rest of your life. You have never experienced the favor of God like His salvation. Anybody else today say, Sean, today I did that for the very first time. Just hold your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. Now listen, there's another group here today. And you're a believer, you know Christ. But here's why you struggle with God's favor. Because you still want your flavor of God and you're not willing to surrender to the favor of God. If you spend your life trying to control the outcomes that happen, you're gonna be one frustrated person. And here's the truth. We are never more positioned for the favor of God than when we surrender i pray that today whatever that is in your life whether it's a relationship whether it's a financial issue maybe it's your work maybe it's your calling that god's put on your life are you willing to say lord i trust you i receive your favor not because i'm worthy of it but because you're a good god and you love me and whatever flavor of your favor you bring me it is well it is well. Lord, today I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to grow us in what it means to position ourselves so that we can receive greater favor. God, I want your favor on our church. I want your favor on the people of Southcrest. Lord, that when we walk out of here and we live our lives on Monday through Saturday, that we are difference makers, that our lives are are exponentially driven by your favor that people look at us and say why is he so different why is she so different why are they so different because lord we are seeking after and we are praying for and we are obediently positioning ourselves to receive the favor of god above the favor of man we want your favor we want your fixed gaze on our lives and so jesus we surrender to whatever that looks like in your name we pray